The Structural Engineering Channel podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel podcast, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, Kara and I are going to talk about the three career takeaways that stood out for us throughout our careers and how those experiences helped us grow throughout our careers as engineers. Learning from other engineers is instrumental to career success, and by sharing these key takeaways, we'd like to help you recognize opportunities and provide guidance on how you can see in your career as well. I'm your co-host, Matt Picardle. And I'm your co-host, Kara Green. Let's jump right in. This episode of the Structural Engineering Channel is brought to you by Collier's Engineering and Design. Collier's Engineering and Design is a multidisciplinary engineering firm with over 1,800 employees in 63 offices nationwide and growing fast. Collier's Engineering and Design maintains an internal culture that is nurtured through the promotion of integrity, collaboration, and socialization. Their employees enjoy hybrid work environments, continuous career advancement, health and wellness offerings, and programs and projects that have a positive impact on society. Collier's Engineering and Design stays on the cutting edge of technology and their entrepreneurial approach to expansion provides personal and professional development opportunities across the firm. Leadership's dedication to the well-being of their employees and their families is demonstrated throughout the wide range of benefits and programs available to them. For more information, visit the career page on their website at colliersengineering.com. I'm excited about this episode. We're going to be going through our career takeaways. But first, just to give you some background, I'm a project manager, but I grew into, I first started as a project engineer working on buildings in the California area, and then been in that industry and still in that industry for a couple of years. But now I'm more in the project manager type of role. And that's where I'm at in my career. Currently, my position is the Structural Engineering Trade Manager at Hilti North America. Before that, I worked as a structural field engineer in Houston, Texas. And then before that, I worked as a staff engineer at a consulting firm in Alabama, where I started working for them as an intern while I was in my senior year of college. That seems like a pretty diverse type of career path. What was your first key takeaway or or lessons learned that uh, you want to share with our audience? It's been an interesting journey and it's been a very fun journey. One of the key takeaways that I think is really important, especially if you're someone who's pivoting in their career or if you're someone, maybe a student and you're thinking about all of the different things that you can do. So when I started out as just a very young junior engineer starting at a firm, I worked specifically with a geotech and environmental firm. That was a lot of the work that I did, phase one, phase twos, hydrology, hydraulics, that sort of work. At some point, and I loved that work, to be honest, but I ended up moving to Texas. And I moved to Texas in 2016 
I was looking at jobs and, you know, I had gone on a few interviews and I was looking at the the same type of work, but also just done in Texas, which is a little bit interesting because Alabama was very dynamic. You were always doing like land development and it was, you know, you're working out in the mountains and it's like beautiful. And I remember I was going for these interviews, doing the same thing for other companies that would have been in Houston. I don't know, like the vibe was different. It was like, it seemed very restrictive. I remember I interviewed at one place, they were showing me where I was going to work. And it was like in the middle of an office building in the dark in a cubicle. And I was like, this is not, (laughs) this seems so stressful, like true, like sheltered engineer in the middle of like the basement type kind of feeling. I had everything kind of online and I ended up getting this call from Hilti, which is who I work for now. And I remember looking them up and I was on the phone with the guy, that recruiter. And I was like, look, I don't design tools. Like I'm not a mechanical engineer. That's not. And he was like, wait, 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 wait. Let me just schedule another call with you and we'll talk about what you will do. Now, keep in mind, I have a civil engineering degree from the University of Alabama in Huntsville. So I took structures. I took steel design, concrete design, the basic classes. So, I mean, I was familiar with structural design in a way. And I actually worked when I was in Alabama. It was really interesting because obviously Alabama is super, I wouldn't say it's a small town. Huntsville is kind of a medium-sized city. But like all of my geotechnical designs would go to my friends and they would do like the structural designs and they would read my letters. But it was like, we would go and we would like talk about it at some point or get lunch and talk about that kind of stuff. So I had a general idea of Hilti as in general, but not necessarily what their field engineers did. They ended up telling me kind of what my requirements would be. It would be more structurally based. There was a huge ramp up in learning and relearning like structural engineering in general. So concrete design, steel design, and where we fit in and what are the key parameters that I needed to be aware of. And I was like, okay, this is a pivot of what I was doing as much as I enjoyed it, but I have the freedom and this company has a lot of really key benefits and it's nice. Like it's, you know, working with engineers on their designs and helping them in a very consultative way for certain applications that were not necessarily taught in school. This is a really interesting way to pivot outside of what I was doing. That was something I found looking at opportunities outside of what I had just been doing, even though I enjoyed it as a junior engineer. I enjoyed the pivot into more structural design after the fact, after moving to Texas and really looking at the scope of what was available at the time but also just kind of acknowledging different areas of the world have different working relationships. You know, I loved environmental because I was outside all the time when I was in Alabama. It was, Alabama is not necessarily underdeveloped, but it's not overdeveloped in the way that the concrete landscape of Houston is. So it was just a very interesting and very dynamic change from what I had been doing, as opposed to trying to find the exact same work but in a more restrictive setting. That was something that was kind of a career takeaway for me. And probably one of my larger pivots fairly early in my career was not siloing myself to a certain type of work. It's great to become an expert, especially if that's something that you're really trying to do and you really want to tailor yourself to a certain career line. I know a lot of academics do this. They really tailor themselves as the expert. 
as a junior engineer or younger engineer, or even someone looking to do something a bit different, you know, the engineering fundamentals span across multiple disciplines, especially the ones that are covered in civil specifically. So transportation, environmental, geotech, and structural. And you can really utilize all of those skills and then kind of gain additional education if you do decide to pivot to a different opportunity than what you may have been doing beforehand. I really like that one because it, it kind of just shows how versatile engineers are. You get your engineering degree, you think you might be stuck in geotech or environmental, and maybe you start off your job like that. It doesn't mean that you have to do that forever. For anyone that's taken the PE, I mean, that's kind of the point of the PE. It's a very broad test that tests uh, different types of engineering knowledge. And I think that should give uh, everyone confidence to not lock yourself into one specific industry. If you're not happy with what you're doing, there's always a way to pivot, especially with an engineering degree. You can pivot into different disciplines and management. I mean, we've seen that in all sorts of places. And that's why the engineering degree is so versatile. It really is. I think. The basis of our education is problem solving, and that is cross-disciplinary. The world has problems. Yes. We're good at solving them. That and Excel spreadsheet, we're unstoppable. That's a great takeaway. My first takeaway in my career would be, you know, I work in the building industry where it's, there's a lot of calcs, let's put it that way, in terms of uh, calculating everything out. And you won't know anything from school if you go, I got my master's and there's still so much I didn't know. And I think for me is, especially since I'm in this route, is getting really good in terms of what you do technically. I think for me, since my career path is going towards more into the management during the first couple of years of my career, uh, some of the best advice I've gotten was get really good at what you do technically. Be the best that you can be, you know, study up on it, try to be as efficient as you can. So you're kind of like a, an expert. You don't need to be like the best of the best, but in the long term of things, it's going to help out because now that I'm more in the management aspects, it's I know what the newer engineers are going through and what pitfalls they're going to run into. And, you know, I can help them out on that. If I didn't know, it's kind of like a manager that doesn't know what the technical people are doing. I don't think it really works like that in at least in structural engineering. It, if you're making decisions, you should know what you're doing technically. And I think in that type of position, it's, it's really good to study up on that. Doesn't mean neglect your communication and soft skills, but hey, you're in the office eight hours a day. A lot of that should be focused on codes, calculations, drawings, constructability, thinking about things like that, at least in the building design industry. And then in a couple of years, it'll pay off. I always like to put it as, you know, the technical stuff is the foundation for purely building structural engineering career. All the communication, management, soft skills, I mean, that's what's going to build that skyscraper. You can't build that if you don't have a good foundation. And the technical stuff is um, what the foundation is. And the licenses do a good job of that. Getting your PE, getting your SEE, all those tests uh, will help. That's one of the things that's really helped me out. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of great feedback for maybe our engineers that are learning something new and they want to grow. Definitely is learning, getting those fundamentals, especially the technical part is so key because you're right. It is the foundation of everything else. I mean, as an engineer, 
it's been talked about, I feel like a lot recently in the industry is just really strengthening our technical aptitude because, you know, all of these events have happened. I feel like, you know, we've seen failures, we've seen issues come about now that I think they're even more visible online. And so getting really good at the technical side is so important as an engineer, just so that we can maintain, I mean, engineers have such a reputation in the industry as, you know, we're ethical, obviously it's part of, since I just got my PE, I was been like taking the ethics exam and like <laughs> reading the code book, but it's just, you know, understanding those fundamentals and really strengthening them so that those are key. And they're almost, you get so good that the technical part is almost a second nature. And then you can build all of the other stuff that helps you move forward with the communication skills, the networking skills. I think that's a great point to make to any engineer, whether they be new or established in the industry and learning something new is developing that technical aptitude. If you can master something or become really good at something technical, I mean, you can just repeat it. You've already done it. It's just like learning software. You learn one software, you've learned that one, you can learn another one. If you're an engineer, you'll know how to do it. I mean, that's part of your skill set. Once you also get really good at the technical, you learn how to optimize. And then you became even more influential, not just with yourself and your designs that you implement, but what your company chooses to implement and design. And you can really kind of influence a lot if you become the technical expert on certain things, for sure. I mean, that's one of the things as engineers, we're technical people, I think, on the basis. But then there's a lot of ways, like you said, we can go. What's your second career takeaway that you have? I'm still consider myself a fairly young engineer. I mean, I graduated from University of Alabama in Huntsville in 2015. So I'm only in the industry about seven years. And I was thinking about this when I was getting all of the documents ready when I took my PE exam is maintaining some sort of mentorship throughout your journey. So I was really, really fortunate when I was compiling all of the documents for my PE application, I was asking for my mentors that through my journey to sign and review my supplementary experience records. And I was real pumped about it because like all of my mentors have been women. And I was like, not that there haven't been really great and influential men in my career who've helped me, but it was just like really a lot of my direct supervisors have been women. And I was like, they're the best ones who could review my work and it would be great. And um, they're the ones who have kind of, they're no longer my supervisors and they're no longer in my direct chain of command, but I've stayed in touch with them. They're curious about what I'm doing. It's very interesting because they're probably some of like my key cheerleaders in doing certain opportunities like this per se, like joining a podcast or doing a podcast where I was like, when I first started, I was a little nervous about, you know, putting my face on the internet. I think there's always a little bit, at some point I was like a true engineer and I was like, I don't know how much I want to be on the internet and searchable. <laughs> I remember writing an email to one of my mentors and she was like my direct supervisor in 2017. She was only my direct supervisor for about a year, but I was like, have you heard about this? You know, what do you think about it? You know, I had Alexis Clark who was before me who had done it and had rave reviews. And I was like, am I weird for kind of hesitating to join? And she was like, well, no, but think of all of the different things that you'll learn. 
And that was a key thing is continuous learning is really important in the engineering industry because we always want to learn new things. There's new technologies available every day. There's all of these beautiful, you know, dissertations that come out that talk about, you know, the mechanics of materials and how we can optimize designs, how we can move the industry forward to embodied carbon, like all of these different studies as just like the one person that was like, I don't know. But I had those mentors behind me who were like, just take a chance. You only really have to do it for a year. And if you don't like it, but like, you know, I getting on the internet and kind of talking about industry things, you don't really think too much about it until you're the person who hasn't ever done it before. And then it's like something new and scary. They really provided really good structure because, you know, as a mentor, they kind of give you not just the confidence to move forward with certain opportunities, but also they give you a good, I don't want to say structure for failure because that's not the correct term, but it's like, you know, if you do fail, you're failing forward, you tried something new and, you know, it's not the worst thing. I've done something in my career where I failed or I didn't like it. And then I ended up backing out a year later. I I did something similar and it went really, really well. And it has propelled me further than if I hadn't done it, which is always really key to hear those experiences. Another career takeaway would be really identify those mentors and they don't have to be in your direct chain of command. Because I think sometimes when they're in your direct chain of command, it's almost like a conflict of interest sometimes as a mentorship. Because they're like, oh, well, you know, you work in my management. I maybe they may want to restrict you in some way or something where they keep you under them because no one likes turnover. No one likes to see, no one wants someone to leave their team to do something and great. Or they're just maybe a conflict of interest in those types of scenarios. I've been really fortunate to find mentors that they were in my direct chain of management, but in the opportunities when I was moving towards different areas of growth, they weren't. And they gave me amazing feedback on their perception of certain choices I'm making and what they thought. And they offer a different level of experience when I was making the considerations I was making. Yeah, it's kind of like feedback system of people that support you can give you some feedback on what they've gone through. I mean, their experience isn't going to be exactly like yours. It can't be but they can at least provide third party type of outlook on if you're thinking about it short term, you've never done a podcast, but okay, that's what can go wrong. What's the worst thing that can happen? And hey, what if you did this, 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 all the things that you can get from this new experience. And going back to that point, I think you'd be crazy if you wanted to like jump on it. Like even for me, it's I had no idea how to do a podcast. And, you know, I had Anthony definitely help me out and he helped me out and you know, ease me into it. And something that, you know, I'm forever grateful for to to see how to run one and how to basically conduct these interviews with all different types of structural engineers. It's really been great. Uh, so you really get to see how normal the structural engineering profession is. Like, I've been surprised on the guests that we've had that were just so relatable. That's great because it kind of just chips down on that stereotype of engineers can't talk, et cetera. So I think it's been great for the industry as well and for me as well too. And I'm sure our listeners have uh, gotten some insight on that as well. Yes, I have moved past my fear. (laughs) My first couple of episodes were a little rough where I was like, oh, why do we have to record it? Those new opportunities, uh, showing up to them and trying new opportunities out, they don't work out. 
you learn your lessons, you see what you're good at, you see what you're not good at, and then, like you said, falling forward, take those lessons with you. Before we go on here, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the FE and PE exams the first time. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. So Matt, I mentioned my second takeaway. What's the second takeaway for you that has really influenced your career? I'm going to use the same one because mentorship and finding people to support you is super important, especially just having people that support you that don't necessarily have to be your mentors, but they're supporting you because you can't get that far in your career without the help of other people. So luckily for me, I've had a lot of people that supported me internally as well, like my principals and my managers. They've been a great help. And also people from the outside that are maybe not directly in my office, but that are in the office, but in a different office. So it keeps that third party perspective fresh and unbiased. And also from different organizations as well. I've been a part of ASCE and they've had a mentorship in in my area. And that was really cool to get mentorship from engineers in a different firm that had their own firm or that had that different perspective. And uh, having that definitely helps. And that's what people should strive for because you can't get far without the help of other people. So definitely finding those people that want to support you and give you definitely different outlooks. And to your point too, a lot of my mentors, even in in my office, were women and seeing what they've gone through, some of the challenges that they've gone through that I may not go through, but with the new engineers, you know, that's something that I can keep in mind and making sure that They may encounter those challenges maybe out in the field or whatever, but I'm there to support and help them if I can. If not, I'll have other resources where I can point them to that they're not alone in whatever they're going through. I would even say some of my biggest uh, supporters were not even in the industry. My mother loves to watch. (laughs) She's like, oh, you're the engineer. You're doing all the things. I mean, we're humans. We need a support system. We're going to get knocked down. And if you don't have a good uh, cushy foundation to get you back up, it's going to be tough. What about our last one? So let's get to our third key takeaway. Let's have you start off on that one. I think a really good third, and it's very fresh because I actually just came back from Structures Congress, is staying up to date on the latest trends. It's always really interesting to me, the construction industry, it's almost like we go through like a stall in innovation. And then all of a sudden, all of this new research comes out. And like, we have all of these PhD candidates writing all of these dissertations on materials, new materials, all of the different design methods, and all of this great research. And it's interesting to me, Because a lot of this research may or may fly under the radar unless you're involved in a third party, like a trade association. There were so many cool things that came out and, you know, staying up to date on the trends of our industry is so important because if you really think about as a designer, you make a lot of decisions in the materials that you use and the way that you choose to design and you have the ability, and right now there's like this embodied carbon initiative. We've talked about it before on this channel. 
you have the ability to really change like the future. It sounds like super hokey and like (laughs) really spinning some serious ASCE marketing right now. But it was just really interesting, like all of the new trends that are coming out. And I was thinking about it, you know, there's a huge business initiative on my side because we do have Hilti is part sales organization and then part engineering. We have a strong engineering initiative, but we also think about optimizing and designing and innovating in order to make design easier and faster and safer, all of this great stuff. When I was working in design, the goal was always to be exactly what you said, the best that you can be, because not only do you make yourself, the business, you as an engineer better, you also make your company better. You do all of these different things when you become more educated on new trends or new ways to design, new ways of innovation that you can really influence your career and your career path, as well as uh, become a huge entity to whatever organization that you work for. It was just really interesting to, when you step back and think about all of the things that you learn, especially in those sorts of trade organizations where it's like you're getting the research fresh from the PhD students. What if I utilize this in my next design? Like I could save however much money, not only for myself, but for my company, for the owner, in which case you get more jobs, you can really influence a lot with really staying educated on the new trends. I know a lot of the firms have committed to, I believe it was a 2050 pledge for carbon neutral. A lot of engineering design firms, especially for the younger engineers, that's a great opportunity to step up and take the lead on that. That's a new market you could potentially be an expert of, and it's a new opportunity that a lot of the industry is going, getting into. And like you said, staying on top of trends like that, it can open up new opportunities to wherever you're at in your career if you're really interested in that. I do like the other point that you made about you know how to help your firm. That's one of the things that I've learned as I've grown throughout my career. Knowing how to help others, and particularly maybe your managers or wh- whoever that you're helping out, whether it's your manager or maybe even the firm, figuring out what their pain points are and really trying to help them out. Not just doing your job, but maybe if you can find a way to make their jobs easier, that's one of the ways to stand out and it'll help you become a lot more valuable because you're actually helping the firm. You're not just doing work. You're actually helping the firm in a bigger way. My last takeaway is, besides those ones, those are great. I did have a key takeaway about self-reflection. That one's really good because it's so easy to get on the career roller coaster. It's a go to school, get your degree, go start off as a project engineer, become a project manager, become a principal, become an associate, become a shareholder. Then like, okay, there's the typical path that I'm going to follow. If you're kind of just going to work and doing the same thing in and out and just following that career track, if that's what you want to do, great. But sometimes I know a lot of it during the pandemic and stuff, people have been doing that self-reflection. It's like, hey, is this really what you want to do? Like, you know, there's a lot of career paths and a lot of opportunities that you can do in structural engineering nowadays. It's not just that single career path. There's so many different opportunities. And it's good once in a while, every couple of years or so, or maybe a couple of months, self-reflect on what you enjoy about your job, what are your goals long-term, and how does your life want to look like in a couple of years, X amount of years? Because then you don't want to figure that out. You're already 10 years in and you don't know what to do. That's what's helped me in my career path. And I think kind of the unorthodox career path of... You know, I love designing buildings, but I'm also doing like YouTube and all this other stuff. 
Yeah, things that really diversify you. Yeah, I was wanting to help the younger engineers out. You know, I just wanted to help them out because, oh, if I had these types of resources when I was their age or when I was back in school, that would have helped me out a lot. And now we have the technology to do that. It just takes someone to do it. And that's where I'm at. So I think that's what's great. It's kind of unorthodox, but I'm, I'm still doing the things that I love to do. Especially on this particular channel, we have interviewed such a diverse group of structural engineers, ones that have made themselves niche experts in particular areas. And then those who have done like some serious pivots in their career and all of them were successful. And I think that's something important that maybe some engineers who feel as though they've been siloed. I've talked to a few of my friends who are in the industry and they actually jump shipped when they realized that they were being niched into such a very strategic area of their company. And they decided, I really didn't like it. Oh, and they reflected, they were like, you know, I really don't like being the one expert in this one thing where I don't get to do as much as I want to. But instead of, you know, diversifying and still working for the same company, they just decided to do something else. And I think that's so important is just uh, exactly what you said, you know, really reflecting on what you want out of your career. You're the driver. I know I reflect probably once a year. At the very beginning, I really look at where do I want to go? What will it take to get there? What defines success for me? Sometimes it's the same every year and sometimes there's some changes, You're right? Pandemic, it would change. So I'm in the position I'm in now. I was ready to do something different. Even a tenured engineer who may have been doing the same thing every single day could really benefit from that advice of just analyzing what you are doing. Are you happy? If not, you're in complete power to change it. Knowing what you like to do and what success means to you, maybe even your environment. Is it the job or is it maybe your environment? Do the people that you're under, maybe they're not good or et cetera. Maybe you like the job. Maybe you just need a change of environment or even communicating with whoever's on your team about, hey, I don't like being pigeonholed into this. Can I try X, Y, Z? So I think, you know, trying all those things and seeing what you can do and knowing that, yeah, you have a lot of options. All right, Matt, I think that's all that we have time for today. But I think what you said is no matter where you are on the path into your next career and no matter what your career has next for you, you always have the opportunity to, for reflection. And reflection is always a useful tool, but that's all we have for today. And as always, Matt, it's such a joy to talk to you. Yeah, it's a journey and uh, that's what's cool. We're just all in our journeys right now and we'll see where we're all going. That's the fun of it. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or whatnot. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, or any questions you may have. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, which is episode number 77, as well as any links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, we wish you the best in all your structural engineering endeavors. The Structural Engineering Channel podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. 
For information on EMI's People and Project Management Skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.